0: Hello and welcome to the Movie Robcast with me your host Rob Daniel and as always I am very happy more than words can say but I'll try to use some words anyway that I am joined by my resplendent co-host Mr Rob Wallace. And as always it's
1: uh absolute pleasure to be here.
0: You sure? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no I you know, I was just struggling for words I think I think it, it is quarter past nine on a Sunday morning which you know in, in all fairness isn't that early but We are picking up again after quite a protracted offline
0: chat, so to speak. We are indeed. And also the reason that we're having to do this is I've been a bad boy. I've been a silly Billy as well. I thought that I could get six people onto a Jaws podcast and keep the episode under three hours. (laughs) It was never going to happen. But you realised, obviously, you know, you're going to need a bigger boat. Oh, that's great. (laughs) it was worth having to do two episodes just for that. But actually, I'm very, very happy that we can do this as a separate episode, because this episode, we're joined by Elaine and Mark Gregerson of the Honeymoon Period podcast. So they came on because, well, Mark likes Jaws. Elaine, I think, is a bit obsessed with Jaws, she wouldn't mind me saying. And I'd heard them on the Honeymoon Period podcast talking about Jaws, and thought, oh, I think they would be good for our episode as well. And it was a really good chat. So we recorded on the 5th of November now, so it has been a while. And yes, it was so good that I thought, oh, I can't actually put this into the main episode without chopping out a lot of the good stuff from both. So let's do it as two episodes. Yeah, I say this is the person who doesn't, again, doesn't have to edit these. We are more putter-inners than taker-outs. as Stephen King says about his books. I like to think that we are the podcast equivalent of a Stephen King book. Just as successful. <laughs>
1: yes, but which, which Stephen King book are we? To, to be, that's a, a
0: question to be mused yes, upon. Yes, Everyone said Rose Madder very, very quickly. <laughs> also, it has been a while since our last episode, which was the Bora episode. So we owe our listeners a treat of two episodes about Jaws. Yeah,
1: I'd say. And um, we were really lucky to get four wonderful, intelligent, informed,
0: lovely people on to, to discuss it with us. Which... That's
2: right.
0: <laughs> we are now at that stage where we get other people on to make ourselves look good. It's a strategy that's working beautifully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's one of those, you know, there's, there's, it's always, there's always a risk. It's like, oh no, they're look at making me look worse by comparison. All that means is you have to get them on more.
0: <laughs> the movie Rob Carter, we're slowly phasing out the rights. That's right. <laughs> Did you remember when they actually said anything about a film and didn't just do the intro and the outro? No. Is anyone missing that? Uh, no. <laughs> the jury's out anyway. So this doesn't become as long as the chat that we had with Elaine and Mark. Let's wrap it up. So yes, we hope you enjoy the chat. It is a very, very good one. And well, we kind of decided what will be the next episode, aren't we? Because it's all a bit up in the air, of course, with everything that's happening. So, but we probably are going to do Wonder Woman at some point, aren't we?
1: It seems. Yeah, it seems. Uh, I've literally just learned You know, from you today, that it's still getting a theatrical release
0: in twenty twenty. So, yeah, so that will be interesting. But we might come at you earlier than that with something else. But yes, it won't be another month before there is an episode of the Movie Robcast. So we thank you for your patience and hope you enjoy the episode. We are very excited to introduce these next guests on our Jaws episode, Elaine and Mark Gregerson of the wonderful podcast The Honeymoon Period. So, welcome to the Movie Robcast, guys. Hello! Thank you! You're like, making us blush?
3: No! <laughs> We're both looking at each other going, ooh, that's really nice! <laughs>
0: Oh, that's lovely. Well, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about your podcast, The Honeymoon Period?
3: No problem. So um, I'm looking at Mark because I'm going to say the date we got married, and I might get it wrong, but we're a married couple <laughs> and we got married in 2018. Well Is done, that right? yeah. Yeah, I'm right. Uh, so we got married in 2018 and uh, we had a fabulous Christmas in Vegas for our honeymoon. And when we came back off honeymoon, we found out we were uh, pregnant with twins. And Then after that, we had some very sad news, which was um, our twins arrived very, very early. And sadly, one of our twins passed away. Our surviving twin then spent four months in neonatal intensive care. And during the time we were in neonatal intensive care, we went back to our favourite things, which are films, essentially. Films and TV. Films and TV. We met, actually, <laughs> this is quite embarrassing. We, we it's, Actually, no, it isn't embarrassing. We met at a film club. I'm going to own it. We met at a film club. We. Uh, I wanted to meet some new people. Mark wanted to meet some new people. So we met together at, at this local film club and then just went to the cinema from that point on and within a couple of weeks we were we were together
2: and we didn't go back to the film club after a couple of weeks no it's
3: terrible we did we didn't we we then started going to the cinema by ourselves so yeah well it served its purpose yeah it it certainly did Um, so we had um a bit of a difficult time um as you might imagine with what happened to us personally all the way through that time we kept making a joke to ourselves that we would you know we would do a podcast it was just a, a constant joke all the time we should do a podcast we could do we should do a podcast and um, mark really wanted to do a podcast about wrestling but i managed to uh, dissuade him <laughs> from that from the old wwe
2: i'm still angry about that but,
3: uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, but then as we um, as our son got a little bit better and as he came home We then had to shield him before we even knew what the word shielding was, before we were all using that, because he was on medical oxygen and he needed to be sort of kept safe in the house. And then, of course, the first lockdown in the UK happened and we then had to properly shield him from the world. And at that point in time... He hadn't really met many of our friends and family. We had spent a lot of time alone, either at the hospital or alone in the house together. And just for a laugh, we said to each other, why don't we just one night, we'll get a recorder and we'll start talking about TV we've been watching and films that we've been watching and films that we love. And it just took on a life of its own. Uh, We thought we would only do one episode Shove it out into the world and then retreat very quickly because no one will listen and maybe people might laugh. And then as the weeks went on, we just did more and more and more. And our friends and family found it a really good way to check in on us, make sure we were all right, see what was sort of happening in our world and also to listen to the to the reviews. And now we're at episode 44, can you believe it? And it's just been something really fantastic for us personally, but also something we just could never have imagined would uh, take off in the way that it has.
2: It's really helped us keep sane over sort of lockdown and beyond and then back into lockdown again. So uh, I don't regret it for a second.
3: And it's really good fun. It's good fun to sit down as a couple, just to have some time to ourselves to talk about the things that we love. Mark tends to like films that I might not necessarily watch. And I'm a big fan of the blockbuster and also films that no one ever wants to see as well, like Jaws 3D, for example.
0: <laughs> well, we are going to get onto to that. But, um... But I have to say, I mean, it's, it's a really inspiring story. I mean, it's yeah, such a sad story, but it's so mm. it's so amazing what you've done in terms of yeah, you know, turning it into this podcast, which I have to say, this is, I mean, yes, there have been times when you have cheered me up in the morning as I go on my walk, and it's just nice to put you guys on and listen to your banter. I mean, even with stuff that I, to be honest, don't have a lot of interest in, like Britain's Got Talent. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> but it's like, this is much better than watching it. <laughs> yeah, listening to you talk
2: about it. That's going on the poster. Eh? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: and then yeah, when you get onto stuff like the boys or point break or stuff like that. It's like, yeah, this is my wheelhouse. I'm so comfortable mm. here, just listening to you talk about it in a really, really funny way. But it has to be said like a really, really knowledgeable way as well. Yeah, it is just appointment to listen to. And I'm really impressed at your productivity as well because um, it took us, I think, Rob, was it five years to get to 100 episodes? So something <laughs> like, uh,
1: what, what, yeah, what, when was our first? Our first one was, it was the, it was the winter that uh, Hateful Eight came out. Along with mm. Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, it was twenty fifteen, yeah. Bone Tomahawk was twenty fifteen, I think. Um five years, but I'm not here to judge. <laughs>
3: What I really love about your podcast is we're just in our living room, which is really echoey. Um, We've got no soft furnishings because we moved house last year. And um, (laughs) as you might have heard on our podcast, I'm constantly moaning about the fact that we haven't renovated anything yet and we need to do, do things in the house. So we're just sat in this echoey room. But what I love about your podcast is, particularly because we've been locked down in our house for quite a long time now, even before the pandemic occurred, I, I get the sense of the outdoors. I was listening to your Parasite episode the other night because we just watched Parasite the other night. Um, I'd never seen it before, but we managed to to get round to it. And you were you were you were stood in an alley, which I think really smelled of wee, if I can remember yes. rightly from yep. your episode. But the sound of you like where you were and you were talking about where you were outside and this alleyway smelling of wee just gave me such a sense of comfort, which I know sounds really bizarre, but just to feel the outdoors and to feel and sense that you're there being at the cinema is such a lovely thing, particularly at the moment.
1: Well, thank you very much. We've not... well, you know, uh, now that, we, now that we've, now you've, you've expressed a fondness, we, we of course can, you know, once lockdown is lifted, go and hopefully see a film, whether
0: together or, you know, and at home, and go stand in a wee alleyway again. It was a little um, alley next to the Prince Charles cinema. That's and it has to be said, that evening it was incredibly pungent. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also slightly away from everyone else, because it was really, really noisy. So it's like, OK, we'll just have to hold our noses and record the intro to this episode.
3: <laughs> but uh, what I really loved about it was that it just fitted in so well with the film. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a fortuitous thing, that it was all about smell. But um, <laughs> OK, but, well, um. So, I don't take up all of your evening. Let's move on to. Well, actually, one thing, yeah, just um, my organisational skills are so wonderful that I arranged this on the 5th of November um, <laughs> without realising that there's probably going to sound like Saving Private Ryan or something like that, another Spielberg film. So, um, yes. yes, if there are any bangs in the background, or that's because of fireworks. like July 4th. Oh, yes, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's like 4th of July, isn't it? And those beaches will be open.
3: You are <laughs> the mayor.
0: Yes, I am the. Oh, it was inevitable. You all want to be Brody or Quint or Hooper? No, you're the mayor, Rob. (laughs) Okay, then. So let's talk about Jaws. Oh, just cannot wait to start talking about this. To begin, so what's your Jaws origin story? When was the first time that you
2: guys saw it? So this was quite oddly one of the first films I ever remember watching with my parents. They were never big film watchers at all. And I think this is one of the few times I've ever remember them saying that they've been to the cinema to see something. Like it's this Mamma Mia and maybe Les Mis and I think Butch Cassidy back in the day. And my mum and dad, they never watch films. And I think they were certainly against me watching adult films. I would have only been about eight or nine. But I'd been to a friend's birthday party and an irresponsible parent had allowed them to rent Robocop and The Running Man. (laughs) So I came back and told my mum, look, I can watch all the adult films now. So she said she's happy for me to watch it. It was on telly. But I had to turn away at the point where the head comes out of the boat. (laughs) So I went probably about 20 years of my life having never seen that moment. And then later in the day, I met Elaine, who is absolutely obsessed with the film. And i thinking back, I think the first time I ever saw the head pop out of the boat was in York at a screening with a live orchestra. And I'd built this up in my head to be something amazingly scary. And it is kind of gross, but it was far worse in my head than it ever did when it appeared on screen.
0: Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? It's always not as bad as you can imagine. Mm. It's also weirdly re it. It's not
1: like the head comes flying out of the boat. It Mm. kind of bobs around for a bit, and then kind of pops out. It's not, you know, it's a it's a jump scare, but it's not just one single solitary ah. It's also it it takes a second before the thing emerges.
3: Yeah, and it's the music, isn't it, that really gives you that that sense of ah. Because if you're watching it without the music, like you say, you can actually see it sort of. So it's probably someone. Bless them, behind that bit of boat, sort of floating this head about, waiting for the moment. But it's the screech of the music that really gives you that shock. And then going over to Hooper and seeing Hooper's reaction and then going back to Ben Gardner's head. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad I was there. Actually, I'm looking at Mark at the moment, sort of comforting him. So I'm glad I was there when you first saw Ben Gardner's head pop out of the boat in York.
0: <laughs> it was a good night. <laughs> with a live orchestra as well. So what was that like?
3: Oh, it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, the music in Jaws, not just the, the du, which, you know, everyone knows the du da the, the, the sound <laughs> of the shark, but that, that sense of adventure. Um go, it's Some horrible singing here, but the du you know, that, that real out the, on, the, the on the ocean. Theme. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's just yeah. absolutely beautiful. And when we were right, we were really close to the front. Yeah. And just having that 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 music just in front, being able to see the cellos moving, knowing what they're doing, being able to see the violins, yeah. and the conductor, and then seeing the film behind the orchestra as well. It's absolutely phenomenal.
2: It does take a lot away from the jump scares, though, when you can see a, a row of violinists get ready to do the music. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is brilliant. That's <laughs> Yes, I've never actually done that. I think that's the only way that I haven't watched Jaws. I've seen it outdoors. I've not actually seen it in those um, lilo things that you can sit in and watch it on the water. So I need to do that as well. Yes, yes it would be good to see it with an orchestra. I watched the film again yesterday, but i spent the day just listening to the soundtrack because it's such a, a wonderful soundtrack. And you're right, it's not just the main theme. All the cues in it are just paint such a wonderful story of all the different characters. Oh, it's great. Elaine, so when was the first time that you saw it?
3: So I had a grandma that used to let me watch anything. So nice. much like Mark going to his mate's house and being allowed to watch Robocop and The Running Man, I also watched those films with my grandma late at night. Um, and Jaws was always on the telly; it was just always there. So it was probably one of the first films that I saw as a child, and it's been with me ever since. I've been to independent cinemas to watch it, sort of in a in a gang. Mark's very kindly taken me to York to to see it with with an orchestra. I love to repeat the lines at people in my head when they annoy <laughs> me. I like to pretend to be Hooper and go, hm, 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 they're all going to die, <laughs> especially when people are really, really annoying me. So you know, it's, it's just things like that. It's just stayed with me for, for, for ages. And for our anniversary this year, Mark bought me uh, a welcome to Amity, sort of Amity Island t-shirt as well. So it's, it's just been it's just always been there i just think it's a perfect film an absolutely perfect film
2: as you can probably see if i'm struggling to find a present for elaine <laughs> i do just look up something about jaws and buy it there's
1: there's <laughs> a very cool print out there that i'm i'm possibly going to purchase myself during this lockdown of uh, three of the three barrels uh the three yellow barrels against against the water with the boat with the with the orca in the background and it looks it looks great if you look up jaw's three barrels poster online i can i can Amazing. highly recommend that
3: it's my fortieth birthday soon <laughs>
2: <laughs> just forget about that honey <laughs> <laughs> we
0: well, yeah, I would completely agree with you i think this is i think this is the second greatest film ever made so if uh the Malcolm McDowell film. I think it's the greatest film ever, but Jaws is such a close second. So listen, Jaws Um, edges it for you over Raiders. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, Raiders is brilliant, but Jaws is... Yeah, I just wouldn't change the frame of it. It's absolutely perfect. As Elaine says, it's, oh, I just... It's just so wonderful. So when you're also thinking about things in your head when people are annoying you, do you also think, I'm not going to take this abuse much longer? And... Yeah.
3: <laughs> and also just really weird lines like Quint shouting, Hooper, starboard, ain't you watching it? I mean, it makes no <laughs> sense in, in everyday parlance. Like, when would I ever say that to people? But in my mind, um, I might just be saying it.
1: I'm, I get a lot of Quint's dialogue in my head at, at inappropriate moments.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here
1: lies
3: the body he aliens. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah some of the things that he said um, we watched it again yesterday as well um in in preparation and some of the things that he says when Ellen Brody's is uh, running away from him and you know oh, he scares me quint scares me and, and Brody's about you know get on get on this boat even though he hates the water and Quint saying all of these like i was trying to i was thinking how i would explain it when i came on the podcast and all i could come up with was rude sailor things <laughs> <laughs> so, but he really does i picked up another one about boats going in and boats going out that i was like hmm Dang. i think that might mean something else
1: the, the, the point where he looks at Hooper's hands and you know starts criticising me, you the know, hands that felt It reminded yeah. me of there's there's a there's a, there's a bit in I think it's Blackadder Two where you've got Tom Baker playing a salty sea captain inspecting Blackadder's yes. hands. He's like, "Oh yeah, you've got a woman's hands, my lord." Yes. <laughs> That's right. <Yes. laughs>
3: <laughs> it's amazing and that, that class warfare as well between Quint and Hooper I was yeah when we watched that yesterday rubbing, rubbing the hands and you know it's at hands that have been counting money
0: yeah that's right and it's I do like the way that Hooper just immediately snaps back saying I just I just don't need this working class hero crap but mm. it's like Again, they're really, really well-drawn characters. Um, and apparently Robert Shaw was like that out of character as well. He would needle Richard Dreyfus unnecessarily according to Richard Dreyfus. He was just a very, very competitive person, Shaw was, and was brilliant, but apparently was quite hard work. Yeah. And uh, it's like, well, you know, anything for the film?
3: <laughs> and Robert Shaw, I understand, was going through a really difficult personal time um, I, I think it's well documented that he was drinking quite a lot on set But what I didn't know was, was that his wife died in 1975, his second wife And she died of an overdose and he, he came home and found her So there was a lot going on in his life at that time That I didn't realise, I, you know, you, the trope is Oh, he was drinking lots and causing havoc on set But I think there was a lot going on behind the scenes as well
0: well, wow, okay, and then he was dead three years later. I think. I think yes. it was, uh, which is the age of fifty-three, which is yeah. such a such tragedy. It's like it's it's all shocking. the things he could have done. Yeah. Mm. So is it fair to say that that you're the Matt Hooper of the relationship, yeah. and Mark is the Chief Brody who is <laughs> less relu- who is more reluctant to go out on the water over and over again?
2: I don't know. Is that absolutely not? Elaine is the <laughs> least adventurous person ever. <laughs> um she won't go anywhere on holiday that she doesn't actually can't point to on a map um which is a very few places um <laughs> yeah no d- d- don't be don't be taken in by all this bravado
3: <laughs> i think the closest say i'm to, to matt hooper is because and actually i feel an affinity with him because he's an academic and so am i so when he's talking about oh the oceanographic institute and you know he's about to go on a charter for 18 months and it's going to be research i get really excited um, but I also have a very—I have a soft spot for for it's, Matt Hooper. I I think he's lovely. I think he—I think he might have been my first crush as a child.
1: It's the excuse that they give for why he isn't in Jaws too.
3: Yes. Yeah. Of course.
1: Like obviously Brody's yeah, bro, bro, trying him. to get him on the phone. He's like, no, he's he's like off in the he's off in like the Arctic somewhere on a boat. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, fine, fine. You you couldn't get Richard Dreyfuss back.
0: <laughs> get it. Okay, so this is quite tough. What would you say is
2: your favourite moment? I think my favourite moment, and this is a really weird one, is when Roy Schneider and Richard Dreyfuss enter Quint's shack. And it's just the look on Hooper's face. There's this kind of childish wonderment going through it. And there's obviously all the action scenes and everything like that. But I think that just so encapsulates the character of Hooper just the delight at seeing all these shark bones and everything like that. Um, it's so understated, but it just really rings true with me.
3: Yeah, and similar, I, I pick a scene that... I think everyone talks about the USS Indianapolis scene. So we we have that as sort of held up as the scene of the film often. Or other people might point to the, the action shots, the scenes on the beach. For me, my... <laughs> I was about to say a quintessential moment, but that sounds oh, a bit too, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the, the scene that I'd love to come back to is the scene in the house, um, in the Brodie's house. Brodie's just been slapped across the face by Mrs. Kitner and he's not telling his wife about it, or at least he's, you know, he's holding everything in. He's drinking too much. He's asking his son for a kiss. And then Matt Hooper turns up wanting to eat their dinner <laughs> and bringing both white and red. Because he didn't know what they were serving, and there's just that lovely moment between the three of them, between Ellen, Brody, and, uh, and and Matt, where everyone's starting out quite tense. He's you know new to their house. They've not, they don't really know him very well. The Brodies are having, you know. Ellen Brody says, "Oh, I, you know, I wish I wish I could talk to him," or so, something like that. When Matt says, "Can I speak to your husband?" She says, "Oh, well, you know, wish I could." And it just melts away because Hooper comes in and he starts he starts picking at their tea and making them laugh, and it, it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of acting from all three of them, and it's a very very intimate scene, and. Brody's like pulling away, he's just like pulling at the, the, the wine bottle, picking away at it, just beautiful character moments, ending in the the, the the pinnacle of the scene, which is where he decides to go and cut the shark open. Can,
1: can you do that? do whatever I want. I'm the chief of police. <laughs> the chief <laughs> <Yeah>. of police. <laughs> I, I, I just love the moment where, where um Brody pops the cork on the red wine and immediately pours it
0: and Hooper's like, You're gonna let that brit breathe It's fine. It's
1: fine.
2: Don't
0: worry about it. <laughs> and he actually pours it into his other drink, doesn't he? Because he's got some drink left at the bottom of his glass and so just pours the wine over it. Yeah, that is that is such a wonderful scene. It was... Um, so Rob and I took a couple of mates that, who hadn't seen Jaws to the Prince Charles a couple of years ago. They had a 4th of July screening. So it was like, right, you're going to come and watch this film because it's insane that you haven't seen this film yet. And that scene and the scene before with the mum as well, there was just a real atmosphere in the cinema. It was lots of dads and their kids, and you can see the dads were saying, right, this is an important one to me, so you're going to watch it. (laughs) Um, And then it was me and the youngsters I work with but anyway it's fine <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah that scene with the mum was like this is different to blockbusters now isn't it this is just much more real than i think a lot of the uh, younger people were used to in terms of like a big blockbuster movie and then that scene afterwards with the kid yeah that just went down so well because yeah for all the reasons that you said it starts off really tense you got a really, really nice moment with Brody and his son but it's still really tense and then when Hooper comes in and
3: anyone eating that <laughs> <laughs> And the scene with Mrs. Kittner has, without putting a downer on the podcast, the scene with Mrs. Kittner has much more of a resonance for us at the moment as parents or, um, of a, a child who's no longer with us. And we both had a bit of a, a moment yesterday when we were watching the film again, because it's the first time since our bereavement that we've, that we've seen the film. And that point where you know, she's, she's all in black, she's cle- clearly you know, grief-stricken, And she repeats the line, my boy is dead. And that for us now has such, so much more of a resonance and really was quite affecting for us yesterday, if we're being honest. But I think that just shows just how well acted that scene is and how well directed the scene is. Because we can, we see things about um, death and bereavement all the time, but not everything touches you. And that did. And I think it was honest and authentic and, and real.
0: I'm glad that you said that, because I did think yesterday when I was watching it, I thought, I've asked them to watch this film.
2: We did actually turn to each other and go, we didn't have, like, black veils over our faces or anything like that. So we are able to, like, take some... some levity a lot. over it. We do
3: it's... laugh a lot. We did say, do you think we should have, should we have had a black veil? You know? <laughs> <laughs> go, go around slapping chief of policers. So yeah, don't, don't worry. We, we do find a lot of humour in, in our circumstance because it's it's one of the best ways of, of getting through it.
0: Phew. Okay. Well, that's a relief really, <laughs> for me. Thank you. One thing that you mentioned on the they Live podcast about ghosts and how you don't like ghost stories. And you said that Casper <laughs> is scarier to you than like one of the Yeah, than the Exorcist or something like that. Um so is Casper the Christina Rinci film is that scarier than Jaws, do you think? <laughs>
3: It is for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a scary cat. It's only with ghosts. There's this thing about ghosts that I just can't get around. So any sort of ghost film, the others, Sixth Sense, you know, throw a ghost film at me. I, I can't watch it unless I don't know it's about ghosts and then I get tricked <laughs> and then that, that, then I am literally haunted for the rest of my life with certain scenes so you know that scene um, in the sixth sense where she goes downstairs and goes into the kitchen and all the cupboard doors are open like, I have to feed a child in the middle of the night so I have to go into the kitchen like in the dark and every time I come downstairs I'm terrified those cupboard doors are going to be open
1: I'm now just I'm just imagining you watching the the revelation at the end of The Sixth Sense being like,
0: no! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've, I've been lied to. I've been asked to root for a ghost.
2: Never been able to watch a Bruce Willis' film again, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Right. You never
3: know. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, I, I don't particularly find... I don't know about you guys. I don't find Jaws particularly scary, per se, as, in, as, a, as a monster flip. it unnerves me, but it unnerves me more when I can't see the actual shark, because it's that idea of something lurking, something huge lurking under the water that we can't see and that we, we, we have no defence for. But I don't necessarily find the film itself scary.
1: For me, it's that one shot of the shark in the estuary coming in sideways at the canoeist Mm. just just that just that sends a shiver down my spine because it's such a it's it's a such a brief it's not almost it's not subliminal but it's such a brief moment of this just obscure but you you it's obscure but you can still you still know exactly what that is
3: he's a bit weird though isn't he the guy in the boat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just I'm saying, like he's coming over to these kids that are that are on their own little boat. Hey, guys, do you, need, do you need a hand? You know, are you all right? I'd be, you know, as a parent, I'd be like, what are you doing in your little boat, going over to those those kids? I'm like, oh, leave them alone. They look fine to me. It's different times.
1: <laughs> yes. Are we expanding this out to say that the canoeist was a paedophile and therefore it's okay that he got eaten?
3: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going that far.
0: I'm not, I think I'm only, going
3: <laughs> see i always
0: watched it thinking that he's so nice because they're having trouble <laughs> tying the knot that they need to when he's, and then he's going to get eaten and, and there is that because when you see the shark come in and there's like there is something primal about that like that you're going to be eaten by a big monster and uh yeah that's how you go out um so. and that
3: that's part of his, the leg dropping to the to, to the floor as well
0: Yes, which as a kid, I just, I I love that shot as a kid. I was a little ghoul when I was a kid. It was all, and the bit when, yeah, Quint gets bitten and all the blood comes out of his mouth. Yeah, you know, and I saw that as a kid. It was like, ah, oh, I want to see more films that have this
2: sort of stuff in it. And that, <laughs> and that started a lifelong love of horror. It's the blood coming out of Quint's mouth as well. Yeah, dude. <gasps> <laughs> as a kid, it was
0: just an adventure story with this amazing monster in it. But when I was a teenager and I was watching it and, you know, suddenly developed empathy and... uh <laughs> <laughs> she is in absolute agony at the beginning of, of the film. Was like, I just, yes. and it just hit yeah. me for the first time, just how awful it was, yeah, what was happening to her.
3: And wasn't she in agony in real life? Is am I right in thinking that when she's screaming, it hurts? She's she's not acting there.
0: I think that might be just a fanciful story that was told, but to because <laughs> yeah. I think that she, because she's a stuntwoman. And ah. she'd hooked up, because I think that they'd attached some cables to some cut-off jeans with some kind of, like, um on a belt or something like that. But she had attached hooks that she could release herself if she got into trouble. So when you hear her talk about it, I think she was in complete control. But it's a good story to say, yes, it was actually like being eaten by a shark. So print the legend.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've totally bought that one then, haven't I? For years <laughs> I've been going, oh, isn't it awful? She's screaming for help.
2: <laughs> this is how Elaine gets... um. Gets bitten by all these ghost stories that she thinks are real. She just sees it and believes it. It's uh...
0: well before we get on to the sequels. Um, <laughs> Rob, are there any Jaws questions that you want to ask Elena Mark? Oh, um, I guess. I guess if we're
1: wrapping up, just yeah, just to go as broad as possible. Any any random musings? For example, there's a there's the scene. Rob and I talked about this a little bit earlier on this evening before the pod. There is that scene in the uh, the shack where Hooper does come in and goes, you know, those guy in the heart ho- guys in the harbor. Well, none of them are going to make it out of her alive. There's the scene in the shack, and I'm, I was absolutely convinced watching it on my Blu-ray that the whole scene outside is back projection. And Rob said that he saw a similar thing on the 4K, but apparently they only shot one scene on a set which was Quint's cabin, which was built on like a vacant plot. But um, yeah, just, just sort of, I guess, do you have any other random trivia
3: or non-trivia observations you'd like to... Well, I'm just thinking about that actually actual scene, because I, I said something to Mark when we were watching this yesterday, and I don't even know if it's true, but you probably know the answer to this. When that scene is occurring and everyone's going out on their boats, there's a guy that comes out of the harbour master's shack with his pipe, And his name's Frank Silver. Now, my understanding is that was the actual harbour master.
0: I don't actually know that. So um, I'm prepared to believe it because (laughs) I was watching The Making Of, and apparently Spielberg just filled the entire film with people that lived on Martha's Vineyard. So the guy who, I don't know what you call it, drives that little skiff thing that they go out on when he says... It's all psychological. If you say barracuda, no. Nah. If you say shark, then you're got a panic on your hands. Um, the guy that's driving that little skiff thing actually was the yeah, that was his job. And he said, well, yeah, if you can do it, then you can do it for the film. And there's all the people in there that are doing the jobs in the background that were actually just the islanders. So yeah, completely prepared to believe that. Mm. Oh, there was something else there about the. Um... No, it's gone. It'll come back to me when we're talking about Jaws 3D. <laughs> so,
1: it'll, 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 pop, it'll pop up like one of those barrels. Yes, somewhere down the line. It be,
0: that's right. So, as a kid, when I was watching Jaws, it was like, oh, I'm just so happy that there's another Jaws film that I can watch. And um, that, of course, was Jaws 2. Mm. And there have been four Jaws films in all, but no remake, which is really interesting. So, I think they just realized it would be so hard to replicate, but that doesn't normally stop them. But anyway, so yes. So- I also think that, you know, there's enough kind of
1: it's basically a shark is eating people i think there's kind of enough flexibility in that premise that you can just make you can make an unlimited number of films about sharks eating people without having to say well we're, we're remaking jaws i think i think it's one of those where the, where the uh, the concept is kind of loose enough that you don't explicitly need to say let's remake one of the most beloved films of all time
0: yeah true yeah
3: yeah agreed because you've got things like deep blue sea that came out later as well and those mm-hmm. sorts of, and, and all these sort of um the sci-fi channel <laughs> versions <laughs> yeah. Yes.
0: yeah yeah there is there is a film called ghost shark so you're gonna have to avoid that when <laughs> i'm afraid but, um... i can feel a date night coming
1: up <laughs> Uh, well here's the question though is, is the shark a ghost for the whole thing
0: because you know I admit, is I, that the reveal i've not watched it but yes that's right it turns out at the end that it was a ghost
3: <laughs> oh is it bruce willis
0: it is it's well yeah because the shark and jaws was called bruce wasn't it so mm. it all fits in mm. <laughs> so yeah so in terms of the sequels have you seen them all and um what are your abiding memories of them
2: elaine has only made me watch two Um, two as
3: in two and three yeah
2: two yeah Yeah. two and three um i've never been made to watch the fourth yet my only memory of the second one is that elaine fancied the kid
3: that no one else would fancy from it which is not now can i just make this clear Not as a child (laughs) one of the teenagers was quite attractive to me
0: Okay, so I was going to say, I thought we were back to the canoeist again, but that's fine.
3: <laughs> and then
2: we actually did a podcast for three, which was one of the worst films I've ever seen. Especially because we've now got that thing, and we've had it with modern films, where you can see where it would have been 3D in the cinemas, but now it's just stuff coming towards the screen on your tele.
1: I mean, yeah, it's it's not exactly Avatar.
2: It's uh... <laughs> it's, it's not even My Bloody Valentine three D. It's, uh...
0: no, it's, it's a, it is a shocking film. That is, it's um, because of the Plaster Scene Shark at the end when it's kind of stuck in that tunnel thing and uh... <laughs> coming very slowly towards the glass.
3: Yeah, it's a yeah coming towards the glass. That's like one of my favourite bits. Just slowly going towards this guy, and then it stops, and then the glass shatters in inverted commas.
1: And then it's eaten a guy who happens to still be holding a grenade in his hand <laughs> so that they're able to. and that's only the second most ridiculous death of a shark in the Jaws franchise. I mean they're all they're all pretty ridiculous. I mean two, they get it to bite down on that on that cable, which <laughs> is fine, and it's what they do in the Jaws ride, so I've got a bit of affection for it. Uh, jaws 4 and again i'm dishing out, i'm dishing out spoilers here depending on which version of it you see essentially they trigger this weird sort of um supersonic frequency that makes the shark go mad by in the way you know in the way that a lump of plasticine like can go mad <laughs> um so that they
0: can ram it with, with a boat and
1: then it explodes yes there is and so, it
0: explodes for no reason isn't it it's like it's because there's like another ending where it doesn't explode, and it's like a bit of a drab ending. But then the one where it does explode is just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. It's like, was that shark loaded with dynamite? Did it eat a crate of dynamite? I, oh. I, th- I think I think
1: it's sweet that you've reached that point in the film. And it's only when the shark explodes that you went, "Oh, this is slightly ludicrous." This is <laughs> 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 like prior to this, the shark murdering one of the yeah murdering. I guess yeah, yeah it does seem to know what it's doing. It kills the little kid that Chief Brody had the wonderful improv scene of you know the, the memory you know give me a kiss why because i need it yeah that kid eventually gets murdered on like christmas eve <laughs> by a shark in that harbor absolutely it, like, it's like this is
0: all worthless now
3: because
0: <laughs> you've done an alien three
3: <laughs> but you know and also the shark in Jaws the revenge has some sort of weird psychic connection with ellen back for the back for the in um, in the book the final
1: in the novelization which i admittedly haven't read apparently is a voodoo priest (gasps) sending it after them which i don't know if it's better but (laughs) it's an explanation
2: i really need to see this film (laughs)
0: yeah well it's well it's got lance guest in it from the last starfighter so um so that some reason to watch. He's all right in it. Um, so, like a voodoo priest. So it had some casual 80s racism in it in the novelisation. And you have to think, what are the drafts of the script as well?
1: Mm. Uh, you're you're, forget, you're forgetting somebody else who's involved in it, other than oh yeah, Mario Van Peebles is in it, obviously, but uh, also uh, Michael Caine.
3: Yeah, paid for his house.
1: Yes, indeed. The wonderful anecdote. <laughs> it's just like I know that the, sh- the first shark, in, the, sh- the shark in the first Jaws, was an expensive prop. But how does the shark in this film, 20 years later, yeah. well, not 20 years, well, yeah, like, uh, like you know, a decade later, sorry, look worse?
3: It is yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's it's, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it, where it just progressively gets worse as the sequels go on. And I'm a lover of an awful sequel, but even I can't really defend jaws the revenge as jaws 4s known but i really quite like jaws 2 and i wondered what you guys I like jaws about 2
0: it. yeah indeed i'm a, i'm a real
1: jaws 2 defender oh, i brilliant. think there were some really good scenes in it i think the, the the uh the scenes uh with the diver and the kelp are great the the scene where the shark comes out from behind the kelp is absolutely terrifying
3: i really like the opportunity to be with the younger people more as well and the camaraderie yes yes mark yes <laughs> <laughs> i was very young <laughs> um but the opportunity to see them because they they are the islanders they are the, the young people enjoy and we only really get to see them in jaws at the beginning when chrissy runs into the water and the other guy you know is a bit drunk and lies on the beach and he has a quick scene when they find her body but that's really it we don't really get to Know the young teenage islanders, which Jaws Two gives us the opportunity to do. So I, re- I really quite like it.
1: And and the, I mean the scene where the, the uh, one of the guys gets knocked out of the boat mm. and has to and has to try and swim for the boat, and then you know he gets to grip on the side, and you see the death grip. That's
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. That is. Was the? Can I ask? Was the team that you had a crush on? Was that Keith Gordon from Christine?
3: Um. So. I don't know the people's names, but it—it'll. I'm just looking at it. It'll be the guy with the curly hair, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It, the The one that might oh, typically Kim, yeah. be seen to be not the lead. That tends to be what what young me liked—the funny curly-haired guys.
1: I believe um, that's G. Thomas Dunlop. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's
3: about right. <laughs> so yeah, he was funny. He was funny. I want. I wanted to go out with someone funny when I was a. Youngin,
0: <laughs> you achieve your dream. Yeah, someday your <laughs>
1: prince has come. <laughs> I, I I also love the fact that there's the scene where the shark attacks the. Uh... The woman in the boat, and you know, it gets covered in petrol and gets set on fire, so mm. it gets you know burnt and scarred, as though it wasn't inherently villainous enough. You've got this shark murdering, like killing people, and it's like, do you know what? Would make it really scary. Fucking burns. <laughs> <laughs> if, we t- if, we, if, we, if we, if we, it's not just Jaws now. It's a Bond villain. Yes. <laughs>
0: Well, actually, yeah, there's another thing I wanted to ask. So in terms of um, other shark films, so Rob said there's no need to remake Jaws because there are so many shark films. Is there another shark film that you've seen
2: that you think that was a good shark film? There was one that I saw a few years ago, which might have been called Shark Night, which is probably awful. But I seem to remember it caught me on a right day and I remember nothing about it other than quite enjoying it. I want to
1: check that one out. I've not even heard of that one. Shark night? Is that? I'm trying to like. Is that like game night or date night? But I, think it's a, a shark? I think it's a
2: play on shark, like Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. Okay.
1: I, I I'm also now just imagining a premise, like alternate premises, where somebody goes on a date and they discover that you know blind date, but they discover it's a shark.
2: That's a ghost. That's
1: <laughs> yeah. that, that's also a ghost. Yeah, of course, because they're clearly meeting it on land. How could it be a living shark?
0: I would watch that.
2: <laughs> um, and and also there was one a couple of years ago it might have had Blake Lively in it
3: oh yeah The Shallows
2: yeah. The Shallows thank you that's really good yeah, yeah. That
1: film's got amazing use of negative space. It, it frames it in such a way that there's just a big patch of water taking up, I don't know, possibly like you know a third of the screen, and you are just incredibly tense because you're like, I don't mm. know if the shark's there. I don't know if it's about to come out of the water, but I am so tense right
3: now. And you really get the feeling that she she's actually out there in the water. She's getting hurt you know from time to time she's having to be on these rocks these wet rocks and it's uncomfortable so there's that feeling of of, of realism to it as well
0: yeah yeah i would say that the shallows is probably the best of the shark films that owe a huge debt to jaws it was a really nice surprise watching that film there's actually um there's a scene in that where i think she's in the water and she thinks she can see something on that whale that has been killed and obviously you know it's what has drawn the shark in and she's looking and then a piece of driftwood or like a sign flips up in front of her face and it flips up into the camera and yeah when i saw that at the cinema actually i saw that with you rob didn't i that made me jump so much i put my hand in front of my face and actually punched my face because <laughs> it it's like, wow that was a great scare that was um, another
2: quote for the poster
0: Yeah, yes. It made me punch myself (laughs) in
3: fear. But it's so difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, films like The Shallows, you're not, much like Jaws, for for all the reasons that we know of, um, you don't get to see The Shark as much as some other films that are out there that, you know, sharks up front and centre. It's mostly CG. The thing that I love about Jaws is you don't get to see it as much as you might imagine, and when you do get to see it, it it is a piece of plasticine, like you say, and I I like it. I like the physicality of it. And you know, when when it jumps up on the boat at the end of, of Jaws and attacks Quint and it bends in half, I don't mind that. It you know, it it just it feels real, and we know it isn't, but it feels real rather than having this giant CG blurred edges, you know, painted. appear on the screen that has no heft to it at all i'd much prefer to see something that was made by someone was lovingly made bruce that might seem a little bit you know old-fashioned now but that that really does it for me and the newer films just rely so much on digital effects
1: i completely agree in Jaws four, they they made a big thing about, at a certain point. The shark roars, which apparently, <laughs> apparently, scientifically speaking, sharks aren't meant to do. Although I do now want to see a version of Jaws where that, with the scene where the, where the shark goes up on the deck of the Orca and where it's just going, <laughs> <rah! laughs>
0: well, it does that. <laughs> well, I think. <clears throat> excuse me, I think we'll have to do that ourselves, Rob, because that's an amazing roar you just did. Um, <laughs> There is a bit of a roar, actually, in Jaws. when It's when it's lashed to the back of the orca and it comes up into frame when it goes right by the camera. And, it's, and there's a sound there that sounds like a bit of a roar. It's not huge, but there is like a sound effect there. But yeah, and I actually think the shark looks okay. And I think as the years go on, it, it kind of looks better for the reason that you said, Elaine, that it just looks real. It looks, you know, when they're stabbing it, when they're shooting it, you can see it's actually something that's there. And the water looks real that it's crashing through and yeah, the people that we saw it with at the Prince Charles didn't have a problem with how the shark looked.
3: And they use live shark footage, don't they? Because at the end, actually, in the credits, it talks about, is it Ron and Valerie Taylor did the live shark, (laughs) shark footage? And that, I felt, wasn't necessarily, I know why they did it, but I don't feel it's needed because it takes you away from the big shark that you've seen that, you know they've made and then this live footage of a real shark and it there's just just a little bit of a disconnect there so i kind of wish they hadn't used real shark footage in the film i kind of wish they'd left it just as it was
0: yeah, you're right. There is a disconnect because it's suddenly moving much more gracefully when it's the real footage. I think the scene when it gets caught up in the ropes of the cage, it's worth it for that shot because it's just such a dramatic shot. Mm-hmm. But yes, I know you mean when it's suddenly like, oh, look at that. It's, <laughs> it's much more fluid now <laughs> rather than this thing yeah. that takes ages to turn as it swims. But uh, <laughs> but yes, we have to wrap it up here because I do realise that we are taking up all of your evening. But is there anything else you would like to say about Jaws?
3: I mean the the only thing I'd like to say is um bad hat Harry yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's some bad hat Harry
0: well, I think that's a splendid way to leave it yeah that is some bad hat Harry <laughs> well guys, it's been such a pleasure having you on and everyone go out and listen to the honeymoon period immediately it is such a wonderful podcast here here thank you oh
3: thank you so much we're we're just sitting smiling at each other now so you've you've made our day. <laughs>
0: Well actually you've made my day by saying because I have to admit, I missed that there is a Jaws 3D episode that you've done. Well that's gonna be my listening tomorrow then.
3: It's right the way back right at the beginning. Um so apologies for that, because at the beginning we were we were a little bit more formal than we are now. We've kind of <laughs> we've kind of relaxed into it as the episodes have gone along. But we <laughs> we did it as a day at night that was attached to like a really long episode before we split out. Our, we do a, a show called Date Night every now and again, where one of us picks a film that the other one wouldn't necessarily watch, like Jaws 3D, but we used to put it in a full episode with everything else, all our other reviews, and then that was just becoming longer and longer and longer, so we split the shows out. So if you go back into the archive, you'll, you'll find it on one of the earlier episodes.
0: Excellent. Well, I suggest that everyone does it as well, because I'm sure it's going to be a great talk um, for a film that has many, many issues. <laughs> um...
3: <laughs> Enjoy
0: well that was good wasn't it and if you want to hear more from elaine and mark then you should follow the honeymoon period podcast which is a great podcast and if you want to follow them on twitter they are at the honeymoon pod and we'll talk to you again very very soon
1: gentlemen gentlemen the officer asked me to tell you that you're overloading that boat Uh, Uh. Then, can you tell me if there's a good restaurant or hotel on the island?
2: Yeah, uh, you walk straight
1: ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all going to die. <laughs>